Welcome to the Managing Miscarriage Podcast. I am Melissa Whitman, founder of the nonprofit One Generation and our current initiative, Managing Miscarriage. We help women through the heartbreak of miscarriage, and as a nonprofit, we run completely on donations. Our services help thousands of women, so please support us by donating through our website, managingmiscarriage.com. Thank you for tuning in. My guest today experienced what she describes as the never-ending miscarriage, and I will pass it over to her to explain the story. Elena, thank you for joining me today. Absolutely. Thank you. So take us to the beginning of this never-ending miscarriage. Yeah. So um, my husband and I got married uh, almost two years ago, and we decided um, September of 2017 that, you know, everything was aligning just right, and we were um, ready to start trying for children. Um, And it was one of those things that, you know, going into the process of even trying to conceive, I was so blissfully naive to the fact that, you know, it could take more than a month to get pregnant. And there is such a thing as miscarriage. So I went into this just thinking, like, I don't even want to start trying until I'm ready to get pregnant that month, because I just thought I'm going to get pregnant right then. Um, And I had a really hard time, you know, coming off birth control and getting my body back to um, doing what it's supposed to do. And so, like I said, I went off birth control in September and I didn't even get my cycle until December. I felt really, yeah, it was just, I was irregular. Um, And this whole time I was trying to track my cycle because I'm such a type A person and I have a plan (laughs) and I want to be in control of it all. And so I was literally driving myself mad trying to track everything. And I finally got my cycles back. um, And then um, in February, I missed a cycle, my list, my period. And I was like, Oh my goodness, I'm pregnant. And I was so excited. And every single test was negative, And I was just like, so bummed out. And I was like, Okay, here we go again with I have no idea what's happening to my body. Um, so after all those negative tests, I finally just ditched the calendar and tracking and went about my normal life and kind of gave myself a break. Um, but then when I didn't get my uh, period in March, I was on the verge of calling my doctor to figure out what the heck was going on. And I decided on a whim one morning um, just to take a pregnancy test. And my husband's a firefighter and he was actually not home that morning. He was on shift. And so I took the test and I was taking the little strips. And it was so funny because the one that I took had like a little mark on it. And for some reason, I thought that mark you know, would call it cause a false positive. And I took four tests and I was just so ecstatic to see them turn positive and I was freaking out. Um, and so I, on my way to work that morning, I called my doctor and I spoke to the nurse and I told her, I said, I had four positive pregnancy tests. And she said, well, were you trying to get pregnant? And I said, yes. And she's like, congratulations. And we kind of had this mini celebration and, um, I said, well, I just want to make sure this is real life before I tell my husband because I do not want to get his hopes up. I don't want to, you know, I just want to make sure this is real because at that time it just seemed so surreal. And so um, I went over my lunch break and got the blood draw and I even ran by the store and got an extra pregnancy test just to make sure it was real life. (laughs) And um, that afternoon I got the um, call from my doctor and she just said, congratulations, sister, you are pregnant and your numbers look great. And that was a Friday. Um, and so she wanted me to come in that Monday 
and just to see, do another draw for the HCG levels and see if uh, my numbers had doubled. And um, so that weekend, I obviously went home and told my husband and we were just so excited. And it was, it was the best weekend ever because we just had all of these plans and we were thinking about, you know, when we were going to tell family and friends and it was just, it was a really great weekend of living in like this blissful, um, you know, dream of, you know, what was to come with having a baby and being pregnant. And so that Monday I went in for, um, my blood draw and they called me and told me that, um, based on that, it looked like I was about six to eight weeks and my cycles have been kind of crazy, but based on my last cycle, I was thinking I'd be closer to 10 weeks. So that kind of surprised me a little bit. And then, um, they said that my numbers didn't double from Friday to Monday, but she said that they still looked good. And so looking back on it from that point, I kind of knew in my gut that something was wrong. But like I said, I was just still kind of like, okay, you know, I don't know what to expect. I haven't done this before. So, um, that was Monday and, the way that my OB works is usually once you confirm pregnancy, we have like a consult with a nurse and she goes over the do's and don'ts of pregnancy. And then after that, you have your ultrasound. Well, thankfully, and it was a blessing, the way that it worked out with my husband's schedule and my schedule, I obviously wanted him to be there for the first ultrasound. So they let us do the ultrasound first to work with our schedule. And um, they said that they'd let us do it on a day that my doctor wasn't in because that was the only day that worked for us. So we were planning on just going in that Wednesday for the eight-week ultrasound, and then um, the doctor would call us the next day when she was back in the office to give us the results. So um, Wednesday, my husband picked me up. I was at work. I just went over my lunch break so I was just expecting it to be like a 45-minute ordeal. And so he picked me up, and we went, in, and we were in the ultrasound um, room with ultrasound tech. And she was digging around, like, just really pushing around and trying to find everything. And then all of a sudden we saw it, and it was the big monitor on the wall. And we saw, you know, the sack with the little bean in there. And it was, it was just a surreal moment again of, like, wow, this is so real. Um, and, you know, I, I didn't know what, you know, a beating heart would look like. I kind of hoped we'd be able to hear it. Um, but then again, I also, I had no idea what to expect. So um, she, the ultrasound tech, she was, she was kind of quiet. Um, but she said, okay, is your doctor meeting with you today? And um, I said, no, she's out, but she's going to give us a call tomorrow with the results. And she said, okay. So then she looked around some more. She took some more pictures, and then she got up. And on her way out the door, she said, okay, I'm going to go talk to the on-call doctor and see if she can meet with you today so you don't have to wait until tomorrow. Oh, gosh. I know. And so at this point, I am still, like, so positive and optimistic. I'm like, oh, great. We get our picture, and we get to tell our family this weekend, and it's going to be fabulous. And we go into this room, and I have never met the on-call doctor before. And so my husband and I are sitting in the waiting room, and she comes in. She introduces herself, and she's really sweet. And I just will never forget this moment. She just sits down on the bench right in front of me, like on this little stool. And she looks at me and um, her face kind of got serious. And she said, have you been experiencing any spotting or cramping? And my face just, I could just feel everything sink. And I said, no. And she said, okay, well, you are pregnant. 
and it looks like you're about eight weeks along, but there's no heartbeat. And my stomach, like I just felt like everything just like freeze and my heart sank. And again, back to that type A, like got to fix it personality. The first thing's out of my mouth. And I'm probably, I'm sure she thought I'm just a terrible person for saying this, but I just looked at her and said, okay, so what do we need to do? And she walked me through the steps of, you know, the three, you know, you can DNC, um, take the cytotech pills to induce labor, or you can let it pass naturally. And she kind of briefly walked us through that. And this whole time, I am purposefully not making eye contact with my husband because I know the second I do, I'm going to lose this whole, like, I've got it under control. Oh, yeah. And we're talking it out and she's the, you know, she's being so great and telling me, you know, it's not your fault and this happens and it's really common. And she's, you know, giving us all these numbers and making us feel a lot better about it. But, you know, finally towards the end of that appointment, I start like tearing up a little bit and she hands me a tissue and she's just being really sweet. And she's like, okay, well, we're going to schedule an appointment with your doctor tomorrow and you can you know, have the night to decide what you want to do. So, we go out and we're making the appointment with the nurse and I'm still avoiding eye contact with my husband this entire time because I cannot talk to him yet. And they say, oh, by the way, you have to go down to the lab to have a full loss panel drawn. And that, the verbiage of loss panel just like hit me right in the gut. And I was like, this is real. Like I, you know, five minutes ago, I was so happy of like, I was thinking that having a baby was the surreal part. And here I am like having to go get a loss panel. So before we even went to the lab, I told my husband, I was like, I've got to go out to the car. And we just spent like the next 15 minutes in the car, just like letting it all out. And I was bawling. And, you know, thankfully we've been together for 10 years. So we know how each other communicates and we've gone through things like this before of supporting the other person. But this was our first like, joint loss like we lost something that was both of ours so it was kind of foreign but um yeah my husband's a saint for dealing with me in the car that day because I I lost it after that um but you know this doesn't really have anything to do with my miscarriage but at the same time it does because we went down to the lab right after that and I'm obviously like a red blubbering mess and I have a nurse in there you know um, taking my blood and she's just making small talk and she says okay well we're done just sit here real quick while I uh, put labels on this and but first things first we're gonna give you a tissue and she went and she went and got me a tissue and she brought it back to me and she looked at me and she just said I have no idea no she said I can't imagine what you're going through but just know that I'll be praying for you and then I just lost it again. Oh, and it was no. just, but it was one of those things of like her support and like her saying that was like a little bright point in a really crappy day. So it was just, it was just, I'm trying to like looking back on it, I'm trying to find like all the positive things. And that's one that like really sticks out to me is, you know, I think, you know, looking back on it, I never saw her again after all the time I spent in that clinic in the lab. I never saw her again, so I call her my little angel because she really, like, brightened my day and when it was just a storm. So it was really – it was really nice. Um, but the next morning, we went and met with our doctor, and since I was showing no symptoms, I was labeled a missed miscarriage. I was still having pregnancy symptoms, which is the sickest thing ever. And oh, the cruelest yeah, joke. It the is. joke. Yeah, I was, like, so mad because I, like, would wake up and I would just, like, 
feel so pregnant. And then at the same time, I just knew like my body was just carrying my deceased baby. And it was just like this awful thing. And, you know, I felt like a tomb. I've, you know, heard your, um, you know, people on here say that before. And it's so true. You feel like you're just a walking tomb and, you know, you know that you're not pregnant, but your body thinks you are. And so we ended up, um, going, uh, with the DNC route. So like when we had found out, you know, obviously one of the worst things is having to tell our family, like one, Hey, we're pregnant. And two, we lost it right in the same sentence. Um, and so, you know, before we had decided to have the DNC, I talked to my family about it and um, my sister had had a miscarriage. And so she had had a DNC with one miscarriage and she actually had another miscarriage that she passed naturally. So she was a really good support. And I, looking back on it, um, I don't think that I would have had the same experience. Like if there can be a positive experience, I don't think I would have had such a positive experience if I hadn't have had her support from the very beginning, because before I was even feeling all of the emotions of like, I don't even want to look at a baby or see a pregnant woman or, you know, before I even felt those things, she told me, okay, just be prepared. You are going to have all of these crazy things and it's going to be completely okay. And you are allowed to feel that way. And so that was really nice. And so, um, the next day, like I said, we just went to the doctor and, um, we decided to do a DNC just to get it over with quote unquote. I just wanted it over with. I didn't want to, um, you know, feel like I was like a walking tomb, like I said. Um, and so we scheduled it for that next Tuesday. So I had to go all weekend, just, you know, it was just polar opposites of weekends because the weekend before I was just so happy. And then this weekend, um, I actually went to a fundraiser, um, in town and I was with my parents and you will not believe the number of people that asked me like, so when are you having children or, you know, nudged my mom or like, what about grandkids? And then, you know, winked at me. And it was one of those moments that I really, truly realized, like, why are they asking that? <laughs> and my mom, it was very apparent to her, you know, once you go through the miscarriage, you become much more aware to other people's situations and, you know, the things that you might have asked in the past that are you know, you'll think of it twice about moving forward because I don't know, just, it's very, it was very weird to me that such a common question that nobody really thinks about, um, was just hitting me so hard. And it was kind of one of those things where I looked at my mom and I said, what happens in my uterus is none of those business, it's none of their business. And we don't know each other that well. And I really want to respond with, well, I'd be having kids if I didn't just have a miscarriage. But then at the same time, I felt like it was my job to like protect them from the uncomfortable situation of miscarriage and talking about it. And so that was my first like wake up moment of they crossed the line first by asking me that question. It shouldn't make, I shouldn't feel bad for, you know, telling them the truth. Right. And so that was very apparent. And, you know, I've talked to a lot of people about that since then of like, that's not really, you know, unless you're really close to that person or you're not, you know, unless you're prepared to hear the truth and not let the truth make you feel uncomfortable, you probably shouldn't ask that. Um, and so I, that's just something that I've experienced throughout this thing of um, just kind of being 
open and honest and sharing my truth. And I still struggle with it because I, I still have that issue of I'm worried about making them feel uncomfortable, but they made me feel uncomfortable by asking that. And so it's just like a weird situation because nobody wants to talk about it, but it's just weird. So that was that weekend. I had my DNC and it went terribly. Um, the, my doctor is fabulous and she's very open. And she told me, she said that was one of the most difficult DNCs I've ever done. Um, basically. Yeah. Um, and she's really, she's great. Um, so my OB actually did the procedure, which was nice. I knew everybody. It was great. Um, and I felt like I was well taken care of, but she told me that like my cervix didn't dilate. Um, and like there were just complications and she was worried that she didn't get it all. And so she was going to monitor me, monitoring, monitor me closely. And so, um, like two weeks after my DNC, I was still bleeding. And she said that was probably normal. It's just spotting and, um, just to let her know if anything weird happened. So the, uh, two weeks after my DNC, I was pretty much released. The next day I started working out again and it was like back to just heavy flow. Oh and gosh. I, so yeah. the one thing you weren't told is to rest, sit your butt down. <laughs> yeah. Well, and she, she gave me the release. Like this was two weeks after my DNC and she told me like, you're good to go now. Like you're, you'll be fine. And so I know. And so I worked out and, um, yeah, so that happened. And I called her freaking out and she's like, well, it may just be your period. You may just yep. need to lay off, rela- you know, lay off working out. Like you're fine. Yep. Like, okay. Well then two weeks Were you later, having any cramping at that point? No. Like it oh, okay. was just, it was just straight up bleeding. And it was so crazy because it was one of those things where, I felt fine, but every time I went to the bathroom, I was like, oh, yeah, I had a miscarriage. This is a great reminder. You know, it was just like, ugh. Like, you'd forget about it, and then you'd be like, oh, just kidding. Um, So it was just frustrating, but we – I went on with that for, like, a couple – like, a week and a half, and I was like, okay, this is not normal. So I called her again, and I went in. um, She wanted me to come in and do um, another HCG test, and so – Um, I did that and, um, my levels at that point measured 491 and that was four weeks after my DNC. Oh gosh. Yeah. So she's like, okay, that's not normal. Um, they should be going down a lot faster than that. So, um, a couple of days later she had me do an ultrasound and I had that same ultrasound tech who was there for my miscarriage and she was like, bless your heart, sweetie. And I was oh, like, thank gosh. you. You are so sweet. Um, but, yeah, so it's just been like this. I'm just, you know, this whole experience just in the people have been really, you know, made it a terrible situation a little better. But so from that ultrasound, uh, the doctor came in and said, well, this is what I was afraid of. I told you your DNC was very complicated and um, you have – pockets of fluid and it looks like retained tissue so I don't she my doctor told me she said you know because yours was so complicated I don't want to go back in there and it was so cute because she said um you know I don't want to bang up your cervix any more than it needs to be because it has a future job <laughs> and I was like, <laughs> yes, okay thank you um so unfortunately she looked at me and I looked at her and I said 
this means you want me to do the pills, doesn't it? And she said, yes, it does. So um, after my first DNC, I had to take a round of Cytotec, and I started that on the Friday, and a Friday, it was Mother's Day weekend. And this is four weeks post Yeah, DNC. so this is this is four weeks after my DNC. It's Mother's Day weekend, and I'm oh. laid up with Netflix and a heating pad preparing oh. myself for labor, and I am, like, stressing out a little bit. Um, so I start them Friday night, and honestly, um, you know, like I said, I was hunkered down, ready to go, expecting the worst, and nothing happened. Like, nothing at all. Um, I had like a little cramping, a little spotting, and then nothing else. <laughs> oh my gosh. So then I'm like, okay, great. What do we do now? Um, and I went back on that Monday and they did another ultrasound. I told her nothing happened. Yeah. Um, and based on that ultrasound, it looks like she thought at that point the pockets of fluid had been removed, but, um, it looks like I could possibly have a fibroid. And so okay. then she started talking about, um, you know, if it is a fibroid, then you might need to see a fertility specialist. Um, let's just monitor it. I want to. Te- she tested my levels again, and if they went down, she was going to assume that it was a fibroid instead of um, retained tissue because she said it looks like my uterine lining. So anyway, my levels went down. She assumed that it was a fibroid, and so she wanted to monitor me until my levels hit zero. So I had to go back every week for – seven weeks and um get my hcg tested so every monday every monday morning bright and early before i went into work i went by the clinic and got my labs drawn um and so i did that for like i said um several weeks until finally i hit zero um i hit the negative and after that we did a full reassessment And this is where it kind of gets one of those, like, Murphy's Law things because I finally hit negative. I'm super pumped about it. I'm like, okay, I can deal with a fibroid. Like, it's not that big of a deal. I'll be okay. Um, I go in for my follow-up ultrasound to see what everything looks like. The – I have a different ultrasound tech. Um, The images did not turn out. So then I had to go get an MRI. What? (laughs) Yeah. 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 So based on the images that this new ultrasound tech took, it didn't, they couldn't tell what it was. So then I had to take an MRI. Yeah, I had to go get an MRI. And then the doctor called me and said, well, I've got good news and bad news. The good news is that um, the radiologist does not think it's a fibroid. Um, The bad news is they don't know what it is. And (laughs) this is the week of 4th of July, Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And so she says, have you ever heard, you know, she said, radiologists, of course, come up with a long, scary list of all the things that it could be. And she said, have you ever heard of a trophoblastic tumor? And I was like, that's cancer, right? And she said, yes. And she goes, you know, I highly doubt that's what it is. She said, but we're just so confused because your levels are at zero. So, you know, if it's that, then your levels would be higher. If it was retained tissue, your levels would be higher. So everyone was just kind of, you know, she was even consulting other doctors, trying to figure out, you know, what was going on. So the day after 4th of July, I was scheduled for um, a hysteroscopy with her. And so um, she had me take a round of Cytotec beforehand, so we didn't have the issues like we did with the first DNC. 
And um, she went in and she removed everything and said everything looked okay. And she was 90% sure it was um, retained tissue. And then finally, the week later, a week after, I got the results saying that, in fact, it was retained tissue, which was like music to my ears because I spent a week freaking out about you know, a cancer scare, of course, I'm like, okay, not only do I have to deal with this, you know, devastating loss, but now I have to like, think about, oh my gosh, is my life at risk? What's going on here? Um, So that was really scary. And so I had my last procedure on um, July 5th, and then I had to be put on birth control for an entire month. So as to, you know, she said it would help with um, uterine scarring after the second procedure. And so after that, I had a follow-up and literally just, you know, four months later, the beginning of this month, I was finally given the no restrictions. <laughs> so four <laughs> months later, two DNCs, two rounds of side attack. Yeah, it was just literally the never-ending miscarriage, but... Um, it was one of those things that, you know, it lasted so long. And I think the hardest part was that it was never ending for me, but for those people around me that, you know, knew what was going on, um, they had already kind of forgotten about it. And so that's what was hard for me as far as, you know, I thought people around me thought I should be over it, quote unquote, or, you know, moving on because it had been four months. But for me, I was in it every single day for four months. Well, physically, I mean, people are still in it emotionally after four months, but you are still physically in it. Yeah, yes. And like I said, oh. you know, that daily reminder of every time you go to the bathroom or, you know, every time, you know, after getting off birth control and trying to have a baby, the last thing you want to do is get back on birth control. So every day when I had to take my birth control, I was like, this sucks. You know, it's just like those little things that you don't even really think about with miscarriage and, you know, all the things that ensue afterwards. And um, another thing that was just so gut wrenching is, you know, when all the bills come in and you're, you know, seeing all the procedures and everything, um, multiple papers of mine said missed abortion. And I don't know, that just like hit me like right in the stomach. And I was like, it's just so clinical and technical. And it was just, you know, one of those things, like, again, you don't think about happening or having to think about until you see it written out in front of you. And, you know, just innocent piece of mail turns into, you know, (laughs) this terrible. But... I mean, I think the biggest thing that's, you know, helped me throughout this is, you know, while I've been going through this physically and emotionally, I've been listening to the podcast and it's been, it's been very helpful. And like I said before, just learning to share really, um, and being comfortable with talking about it because it happens to a lot more people than you realize, even just going through this, you know, we'll tell close a couple of people and, I'm so amazed every single time the number of people that say, oh, I had one. Like, you did? I've known you for how long and I did not know this. It's crazy. It is so crazy. So it's just, you know. And then the other thing is while you're in the middle of this, um, I had, like, so many people around me who were pregnant and announcing things. And it's like my sister said at the very beginning, you have these feelings of just, like, 
I am so happy for you, but I'm also so mad and jealous. And then I feel like I hate myself and feel so guilty for feeling those feelings. And yeah, it's just terrible. And, you know, after my first DNC, I called my sister to let her know how I was. And she said, I'm so glad. And we were talking about it. And she said, okay, don't hate me. And I said, what? You're pregnant. She said, yes. And I told her, I was like, I'm so happy for you. You know, and it's those things. It's those things, though, that like, you know, I've had multiple, like, she just, you know, she didn't have to do that. She didn't have to approach me and tell me that, you know, before and be so sensitive about it. But I've had multiple people that um, I've met who have gone through miscarriage who, you know, sent me a note on Mother's Day or, um, like, when they got pregnant the second time before, like, announcing it to our big group of friends, they sent me a message and were like, I know how hard that was for me when I was going through that and somebody announced they were pregnant. So I just wanted to let you know. And, I, you know, you were so happy for them, but it's those little things of, you know, the kindness and, you know, grace shown by people who know what's going on in your situation. And so that was just overwhelmingly wonderful. I think it's a really good reminder, too, for when, you know, your uterus is back at work, like your yeah. uh, like your doctor said, your cervix, um, and for all the listeners to keep that in mind, right? Because it's, it's exciting when it does happen oh, yeah. that we are pregnant, but what a beautiful reminder to continue to have that grace. So, exactly. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That's really yeah, great. Definitely. Anything else? Oh, my goodness. I know. Well, I mean, I think so much of my... Because you're still in it. I mean, you're still... The physical stuff, like, just Just, ended. You just got cleared. Yeah, I just got cleared. And so, you know, because mine was so physical, I think, personally, um, I would recommend women who are going through this or have gone through this, if you are not absolutely... um, satisfied with your healthcare team, um, then that's something that you need to change because honestly, I changed my OB right before I got pregnant and I am so glad I did. Um, because I cannot imagine going through this with a different doctor. Um, like just everybody that I interacted with was just so nice and, you know, caring and they were very proactive. Like my doctor would call me and check in on me and, listened to all my crazy questions, but I was also very proactive. So I would just, I would recommend to women just to stay proactive about your health and you know, make sure you have a provider who is just as proactive. Um, you know, she stayed with me throughout the entire process and was as determined to find an answer as I was. And I was just so happy with it. So that's something that can I feel like can really make or break because like I said when you're going through a crappy situation you don't need the added stress of unanswered questions or or worrying about that yeah or feeling unsupported by the healthcare provider exactly exactly yes. so that was a big thing for me but yeah and even like I said before just the whole you have a right to share your story and um, you know, share your truth. And so I think, you know, being an advocate for yourself and sharing your truth are two really important things that have helped me heal throughout this entire thing. So that's something that I would definitely recommend. Absolutely. And always giving grace and being kind. 
because I know it's oversaturated. Including but... to yourself. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's the biggest one. But, um, you know, and like the women, like that I was just telling you about who, you know, my sister and the other couple of women who have had miscarriages, you know, even when you do get pregnant again or, you know, you end up having your family and all that, um, those women still checked in on me and they didn't have to. And so that's something that I will definitely continue to do throughout this um, process as well, because I've become a lot more aware um, of, you know, the need for giving that grace to everybody around you, because you seriously have no idea what people are going through, um, whether it's infertility or miscarriage or whatever. And so I think that's a big thing. I've come to say quite often that the miscarriage club is a terrible club to be a member of but the one benefit of membership is that you're not alone so yes yes. Uh yeah so I think just it's a knowing that it's okay to lean and reach out on those people is very important I agree well thank you so much for sharing this whole story with us and some really great insight as well Thank you.